We're looking today at the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job. It's a pleasure to be here at Ambassador Baptist College. We appreciate Brother Alton and all the faculty, staff, and these precious students. I'm very thankful for you. Uh, my uh, throat's a little tangled up today. I told the folks over at the church yesterday as I was preaching morning and evening that, that I had a frog in my throat and he'd crossed his legs. But this, today, uh, I think he's uh, doing jumping jacks with flip-flops and muddy uh, shoes. But uh, we're, uh, we're thankful for the opportunity to be here and to preach God's Word today. Uh, I, uh, I am thankful to be the interim over at Crossroads. And uh, my wife, as he mentioned, is here. And some members of the church are here in the Amen Corner back there. And then some of the students that we get to minister to. We're very thankful for each one of those as well. How big is your God? How big is your God? We're uh, looking today at the book of Job, and we're going to take several verses, so you're going to need to try to keep up a little bit. I want to look at what God says about Job, and then I want to look at what Job says about God. He is... uh, In this book of Job, we see a man who wavered up and down, but basically it was a man who feared an awesome God during a terrific time of trouble in his life. I don't know what you're going through. All of us face trouble, and we need this awesome, big, and powerful God in our lives. The preacher always does some crazy stuff. I mean, I've been pastoring now for about 40 years. I semi-retired at age 72 um, back in May of this year. I was in Whiteville, North Carolina, on the other side of Resume Safe Speed over there, uh, going toward Wilmington on 74. And um, I moved back to Rock Hill, where I live now, with my wife, and we're near family over there. We, Both of our spouses have passed away. God brought us together in Rock Hill. Uh, 11 years ago, we met. Married uh, 10 years ago, have 21 grandkids, three great-grandkids, five of those grandkids are married, seven children that are married, and we shop at Dollar Tree and uh, (laughs) having the time of our life. But we, uh, a preacher does some crazy things. You know, sometimes people ask questions. There was a teenage girl. In 1993, we took uh, a group of uh, juniors and uh, high school students to uh, do our own camp. Uh, I've been on the board of the Anchorage camp in Lake Waccamaw. That was pastoring over there with some of the staff uh, for the last nine and a half years. Uh, but I, we went to do our own camp. So we rented three houses on a little river in Silva, North Carolina, up near Cherokee. And uh, so there was a girl with us. This is the first time she'd ever come to camp. And she came to the pastor Uh, the second day. And sometimes when somebody asks me a question, I have certain answers for them, but this one I couldn't avoid. She said, Pastor, when we came yesterday, didn't that river run the other way yesterday? It's running this way today. And uh, I mean, I just couldn't pass it up. I said, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. I said, it runs this way Monday, 
Wednesday, and Friday. And it runs this way, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. It, it really does. And uh, she said, really? Really? Not, not the same situation. I wasn't involved with this. But I heard about a pastor who asked a girl, who asked a girl a question. Uh, she was in high school. It, it could have been a boy. I mean, this, this is, it, it, I'm not just picking on the girls today. It could have been, it could have been a guy, but she, this was a girl that the pastor asked a question. <laughs> Did I say it was a girl? I just wanted to be uh, reminded of it. Ask this question of uh, this teenage girl. Said, which is closer? The sun or California? He paused. He said he could hear da 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 da. She said, um, "I guess it's the sun because I can't see California." <laughs> that girl was three French fries short of a happy meal. I'm just going to tell you right now. She not only was three french fries short of a Happy Meal, her elevator didn't go to the top floor. And the wheel was spinning, but the hamster was dead. And, uh, or as my son, my, my youngest boy is a, is a CPA accountant, lives in the Clemson area. My son loves this one. He'll say, it looks like that one was living on the second floor of a vacant lot. Well, that's what that girl was. She was wrong about which one was closer. But did you know if you study about the sun, that thing is, three, is 93 million miles away. That sun is so huge that it would take 1.3 million Earths to fill the volume of the sun. It's that big. Can I tell you, our God is the one who created that sun and this earth and spoke it into existence. The very God that you and I learn about in this book and know personally, 52 years ago, he became my God. In a dorm room at Clemson as a civil engineering student, someone witnessed to me that night January the 29th, 1971, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus, and I got a personal relationship with the God who created the sun and the earth through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as I put my faith and trust in him. How big is your God? My name, last name is Ledbetter. I preached here in chapel uh, several times in the past, years ago, and uh, people would ask me, are you kin to the Ledbetters that Jerry Clower used to talk about uh, years ago. Uh, how many of you even know who Jerry Clower is? All right, several of you do. I'm not kin to Adel, Odell, Marcel, Nugene, or Clovis. I'm not kin to any of those. But the story is told that Jerry Clower would tell. I saw him down in Orangeburg while I was an engineer with the highway department in South Carolina. I saw him before he passed away. Funny man. 
Anyway, he tells a story about uh, how the Ledbetters took Uncle Versi. Uncle Versi was in a wheelchair, and they took Uncle Versi down to the ocean. And he looked left and right. First time he'd ever seen the ocean. And he said, I thought it was going to be bigger than this. <laughs> Did you know that my God is much bigger than we could ever imagine? He's much bigger than we could ever imagine. No problem that I have cannot be handled by the big God that I have. Someone has said that your problems in the same circumstances, your problems seem big when your view of God is small. But the, the problem, the same problem, seems small when your view of God is big. I want us to look at Job today. And we're going to look starting at chapter 1 and uh, verse 1. And we're going to look the first eight verses. This is a meeting. Chapters 1 and 2 is a meeting going on in heaven. Job doesn't know anything about this meeting. But in heaven, God and Satan are talking to each other. It says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was perfect. He was a good man, upright, one that feared God and skewed evil. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a great, very great household. So this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one this, his day. And he sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so that when the days of their feasting was gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them. And he rose up early in the morning. Notice what he did. And he offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This did Job continue. Lois is caring for his family. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. The Lord said unto Satan, which comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? We see here, first of all, that he was a, a blameless man, one that without hypocrisy is literally what it says. He was a man of integrity, a, a godly man. Matter of fact, in, in Job 31 verse 1, it says that he made a covenant with his eyes that he did not look upon a maid. He was a man of purity and a man who it says here was a good, upright man. He feared God, a man who feared the Lord. In, in Job uh, chapter 23 and verse 12, you need not turn there. He says, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I mean, he was, he was a godly man. He was walking with God. Godly people have problems too. And he had a good family. Not only was he faithful, but he had a good family. Seven sons and three daughters. They were having some kind of party together and, and a close family. 
He offered sacrifices for each of his children, it says there in verses 4 and 5. He was, it was the kind of family you'd want to be a part of. He also had great fortune. It tells us in verse 3 about all the animals that he had. He was a, it says here, and this man was the greatest of all the men of the east, a very rich man. Maybe you're a person with possessions. It, usually most college students aren't. But if you have possessions at all, do your possessions have you or do you have possessions? Here it seems like that he was the right kind of man with what God had entrusted him with. He was a man who also had friends. Notice chapter 2, and I put friends in quotes if you read, know the book of Job. Chapter 2, verse 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came every one from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Zamanite, Namanite, and it says, For they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And I put a question mark in my Bible uh, by the word comfort. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off, they knew him not. They lifted up their voice and they wept. They rent everyone his mantle or his robe and sprinkled dust upon his, their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. He had friends, in quotes. The best thing they did was sit there silently for seven days. I've been a hospice chaplain now for, uh, served about 10 years uh, in Rock Hill after my wife died. I didn't pastor a church. I, uh, last time I came here, I, I came here at uh, a missions conference as a representative for uh, Cross Impact Ministries. I was the president of MTT, Make a Timothy Today, for, for 10 years. And so I was here, here uh, at Ambassador during some of that time after my wife died, and I was serving as a hospice chaplain. In hospice, uh, working in Southport, Calabash, Ocean Isle Beach, some of those North Carolina beach towns over there, Working as a hospice chaplain, I would see a, a lot of grief. And some of the greatest things that people did was to go. People said, I don't know what to say if I go in. I'm not, I mean, look there, they've got cancer or they just died. I don't know what to say to the family. You might not want to say anything. Just let them know that you care. God loves them, that you're praying for them. And these, these uh, friends did the greatest thing. They just sat there with him, said nothing for seven days. But he also had failures in his life, a lot of troubles. And you know the story here how the, he lost all of his children, all of his possessions. He lost everything except his wife and his own life. He even lost his health, all the boils that were put upon his body. And there, that meeting that was in heaven that he didn't know about, Satan was working, and, but Satan, in the midst of our problems, he's on a leash. He can only do so much. God would allow him to do only so much. As you know, 1 Peter 5, 8, to be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil. 
as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he can't get your soul if you're saved, but he'd love to destroy your testimony. How many people are we meeting now who are used to people? I used to be a Baptist. I used to go to church. I used to go soul winning. I used to go. I used to do. do I used to be. Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a murderer, an accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12 tells us. Job's wife even said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? Our troubles and our trials, our tests, are to make us better, not to make us bitter. All things do work together for good. To them that love God, to them are the called according to his purpose. And in verse 29, he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And he's using the trials and the tests and the troubles in our life to make us God dependent. Not dependent upon ourselves, but upon him. Can you imagine as he looked at all that had happened to him, realizing God's sovereign control? But he had to bury 10 children. I've done a double funeral before. I've done once, one where we had two caskets in the front, but I've never done where we, one where we did 10 caskets. Can you imagine what he went through? 10 caskets for 10 children. God still cared for him. I'm thankful today that our Savior's acquainted with our grief. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And Job didn't blame God at all. Look at chapter 1, verse 17. Chapter 1, verse 17. He says, and when he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they're dead. And I'm escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose. He rent or tore his mantle, his robe, and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. What did he do? He worshiped. He worshiped God. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He didn't blame God. Several years ago I was in pastoring in Sherraw. We restarted a church that had gone bankrupt uh, Highway 9 uh, going toward the beach from here uh, and South Carolina, Sherraw, South Carolina. And I was there 11 years. During that 11-year time, I had a, a, there was a lady that was coming to our church. Her granddaughter uh, gave birth to a child uh, out of wedlock. But she called me on the phone, preacher, please meet me at the hospital. And she came out of that car. I only lived a mile from the hospital. And uh, she came out of that car and as she was running toward the emergency room, I was right in behind her, and she was saying, the Lord giveth, 
The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That child of Sid's death had died in the crib at home. And she was rushing that baby there. And I'll never forget her saying, repeating this, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job did not blame God. Most people run from their help. They decide, well, I'm I'm going through troubles. I don't think I'll go to church anymore. They don't want to be around Christians. They don't want to see the preacher. Some of them say, I can't read my Bible now. They run from their own help. Job and Job 19. Josh used this in Sunday school yesterday. Job 19 verse 25 says, he said, for I know that my redeemer liveth. That he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. I want to see him. Whom I shall see myself and my eyes shall behold not another. Though my reins be consumed within me. Job 13 verse 15. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job 23, verse 10, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I shall come forth as gold. Job was a man, the kind of man with still ups and downs we see through these 42 chapters. He had some times of of, of trusting and doubting and back and forth, much like us. But God used it in his life to build him. I tell people that through the troubles and times of ministry situations and hard times in ministry and losing my mate and other things that happened, God was teaching me lessons that I could not have learned any other way. You're going, you may be going through troubles or family going through troubles or friends going through troubles today. Troubles come. A friend of mine, his mama uh, lived in Georgia. She had a fellow, a a young guy that worked in her yard. And his name was Trouble. Literally, his name was Trouble. And so she could always say, looks like Trouble's coming today. Did you know that's true of all of us? Job says, man that is born of a woman is a few days and Full of trouble, Job 14, verse 1. In Job 3, verse 26, it says, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Trouble comes. It says in Job 5, and verse 7, yet a man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward, just as a sparks come up from a bonfire that you have here at school every once in a while. Just as sure as those sparks are going to go upward, you and I are going to have trouble. There's trouble coming. But I'm thankful today that the central figure of this book is not Job. Matter of fact, God is the central figure of every book in this book, Bible. Even the book of Esther, where God's name's not even mentioned, he's the central figure. He orchestrates the events of this book. 
He orchestrates the events in Job's life. He orchestrates the events in our life. God is sovereign. He's sovereign in the midst of our sufferings and our trials and our troubles. I don't know a whole lot about heaven. I, when my wife got sick with cancer, 21 months of cancer journey, and I was pastoring there in Irmo during the last couple of months that we were there and she was on hospice care, I began to read to her uh, Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. And I can tell you something, I don't know a whole lot about heaven, but I know one thing. There's a throne there and there's a God that sits on it. And he's in charge. He is in charge. And he's good, as Brianna reminded us today. He loves me with an everlasting love. He rejoices over me with singing. In James 5, verse 11, it says, Ye have heard of the patience or the endurance of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord. It said that the Lord is very pitiful or compassionate, and he's of tender mercy. So the character of God is that he is a compassionate God. His character has not changed in any trouble we face. He's a merciful God. Job 31, verse 15 Job 31, 15, here's what it says. Did not he make me in the womb, make him? Did not one fashion us in the womb? He created us. Thus, he has authority over us. That's why people want to believe evolution. Because they said, then I don't have to answer to anybody. But a God who created you and me. We answer to him. He has authority over us. We've been fearfully and wonderfully made by him. In chapter 26 and verse 7, 26 and verse 7, it says that he stretcheth out the north over the empty space and he hangeth the earth upon nothing. (laughs) We talked about that, that he created the earth the sun, he, he hangs out the earth and it hangs out there on nothing. All things were made by him, Colossians 1 says. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And by him all things consist. All things are held together by him. Job 37 verse 14 says, Stand still and consider the wondrous works of our God. Stand still and see how great our God really is. In Job 42, the last book, in Job 42 became a very special text for me in the cancer journey of my wife. It says, at the end of all that he went through, all the troubles and trials that he went through. Notice what he says at the end of the the book in chapter 42 and verse 2. I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. God, you can do the impossible. There's nothing too hard for this God. He can even help me through this difficulty. 
He knows every thought of mine. As Psalm 139 reminds us of as well. He knows you. He knows your problems. He knows the trials you're going through. And the issue is not necessarily that God knows us. He does. But what we need to be doing is getting to know him. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Not know him in salvation. He already knew him in salvation. But getting to know the great God of the Bible, the one who was going to be with him through all of these troubles and the next troubles as well. 52 years ago, as I said, he became my God as I received him my Savior at Clemson in that dorm room. What do you need a big God to do in your life? What do you need this God of the Bible that we've looked at today that Job found out about, this awesome God, what do you need him to do in your life or the life of family members, maybe in the life of a friend? A.W. Tozer said, what you know about God is the most important thing. What you know about God is the most important thing in your life. Look at verse 5 of chapter 42. Job makes this statement. He said, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. God, I know about you. But now my eye seeth thee. After all these difficulties and seeing the very character of God... Now he gets to see God close up. And he comes to a place of dependency. He's insufficient, but God is all sufficient. And he sees himself now in light of this awesome God. This God that can do everything, he said. And there's no thought, he said, that's withholding from you. How is your relationship with this God? Are you trusting him even in the time of trial and test? We ought to trust him and speak truth about God when we're not going through troubles so that we can speak truth to our heart when we are going through troubles. You see what God has said about Job? See what Job has said about God. And what he has reminded us about this God is enough to take us through every trial and every test in our life. Let's bow for prayer.